Hey folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this is the show where we build an entire campaign for you from scratch, and you can run it for your group free of charge. So grab your Fallout book and get ready to take notes because this show's all about the build. Before we can move forward, though, we need to recap what we built last week. When we began the session, our group hit the job board in Diamond Pass and noted four jobs on it. We built out the first job on that list, which said, need to have a package delivered? See Kelvin at the End Zone Tavern at the Dome. The group did just that and found out that Kelvin's a Mr. Handy who just happened to have a client interested in a bottle of whiskey that's very hard to come by. Kelvin told the group to keep the 400 caps the client, identified as Briar Neville, was going to pay him for the bottle. The group took the gig and headed for North St. Louis. On the way, they encountered two of the four groups fighting for control of the area, but they managed to make their way through and get to Briar, who, by the way, turned out to be a ghoul. They completed the deal and headed back to do the next job on the list. And that's where we pick up this week. Job two on the board reads, for those who need a reminder, if you're good at extermination, I've got caps for you. The address listed is 11 blocks south of Diamond Pass. 11 blocks will take about 15 minutes, give or take, and we're not going to throw an encounter in here, and trust me, there's a reason for that. I should also note that the location is on the side of the old highway that they're already on, so they've got a pretty straight shot to the south-southwest to get to the location. And you know me, it's time to describe where we are. In our time, the location is a church, specifically the Saints Peter and Paul Catholic Church. It's located in the Soulard district of the city, and it's a rather large, rather old church. Now, in the game, the building is still a church, and since it dates back to well before the 1950s, we'll keep the name. However, there's also a makeshift wall all around the church, made from hunks of old concrete and other materials, and there's a small ramshackle shack in front of one of the walls. A very old, very small man sits in a chair at the front of the shack, double-barreled shotgun in hand, and what appears to be a 10mm pistol strapped to his hip. He takes notice of the group as they approach, and while he doesn't aim the gun at the group, he has it at the ready, just in case. His white hair is tangled and messy, and it's obvious he hasn't bathed, changed clothes, or done anything to take care of himself in quite some time. He also has a wild look in his brown eyes, like he's seen something that's driven him almost mad. When he speaks, it's very slow, but in a higher pitch than the group's accustomed to. Name's Walter. Who are you and why are you here? The group should identify themselves and state their business. When they do, he seems to calm a bit, nodding his head as he takes his seat. He'll take a bit to get to the nature of the job itself, but first he feels the need to tell a bit of a story. And yeah, this is going to be one of those NPCs, so hang tight. And I, I'm ditching the higher pitch here because I don't know if I can do this whole story like that. About 50 years ago, me and a bunch of my buddies decided to fix up the church so folks who wanted to could get back into the habit and attend in a real house of God. Did real well for a while, too. Folks showed up in droves and gave what caps they could to help with the upkeep. There's a dozen of us, and we swore to protect the church and keep her taken care of. Worked really good till about three years ago. First, it was the Raiders. Shouldn't have surprised us. I mean, they hear about folks leaving caps, they're going to want a piece of it. Managed to hold them off for a couple years, but we lost Red, Skinny, and Buddy through some of those attacks. Cost us a decent amount of caps, too, since we had to resupply. 
Couldn't afford to fix the stained glass in there, and you could still see the bullet holes in the wall. About six months ago, though, things went all to hell. Started with them darn mole rats. We'd get hit with dozens of them at a time, and some of the buggers were radiated. Lost Tommy and Skip two days in. Next up, we got hit with a batch of feral ghouls. No idea where they came from, but there was a whole horde of them. Chuck, Frankie, Louie, and Stan went down over the course of about a week, and the rest of us had to get out and bar them doors to keep them from getting out into the populace. Then last week, Murphy and Big Al got hit coming back here from a supply run, so that leaves me. He pauses for a moment, takes the group in before he continues. Look, I know I don't have a lot of time left, and I'd like to get the church back up and running so as I can hand it off to younger folks to handle when I'm gone, but with all the craziness going on in there, I, I can't do that. I want to fix it up so she looks good so as I can get a congregation back in there. When he's done with the story, he breaks down what he knows. He's pretty sure the group took care of all the mole rats, though he wouldn't bet his life on it. He also knows there's still feral ghouls in there, but again, he doesn't know how many. Now, he'll lay out the church for him, which is about a half a square block, knowing that the first floor is the only one that spans the entire space. The second floor takes up about a quarter of the space, and it holds offices he and his friends had been using as living space, and the third floor takes up about 80 square feet. It holds what he believes was once the office for the cardinal that oversaw the St. Louis diocese, though he wouldn't swear to that. All of the floors are wood, and he notes that they're all in pretty good shape, too, all things considered. The basement, though, is another story entirely. That floor is dirt, and the basement actually also spans the entire size of the church. He admits he and his crew never really explored it much because they believed they had the doors to the basement secured well enough to keep anything that might come in from down there out. Now, obviously they were wrong. His offer's simple. 20 caps for each creature the group eliminates or 600 caps for total elimination, whichever amount is greater. His only requirement is that further damage to the church be kept to a minimum because... I'm going to need a few caps to try to fix what I can to get folks back in there. He suggests the group use the back door to enter, noting that the double doors in the front would be harder to get shut and barred once they enter, but Walter himself can shut the group in if they use the back door. And there's no malevolence there. His primary concern is in making sure that whatever's in the church stays in the church. So shutting the group in there is just a matter of safety until they get the job done. So once they're ready, Walter leads them around to the back of the building and shows them the back door. It's a standard-sized wooden door with several large boards nailed into place in a crisscross pattern to make it harder to break through them to get out. He'll suggest the group stand on guard while he removes them, or better yet, have some of the group stand on guard and the rest help him remove him so things go quicker. Once that's done, he says a quick prayer for them before they enter the church. Now, I want to pause a moment to address something. I'm using a Catholic church in this section because it's the actual church on the site the proper distance from Diamond Pass, which is, of course, by Bush Stadium Analog. If you're not comfortable with religion in your game, swap it out for a suitable building and then just run this accordingly. If your faith is one other than Catholicism, hey, go with that. Make it a temple or a mosque or whatever house of worship you attend. I'm certainly not trying to advocate for a particular religion here since I myself am not a churchgoer. I just wanted to be clear here on that, so let's build on. When the group enters, things are calm. 
Taking a glance at a distance, the inside isn't in as bad a shape as one might have anticipated. Most of the pews are still upright, though the last three rows of them, out of about 20 or so, have either been flipped over or had parts ripped off of them. The flooring is stained in spots with blood and who knows what other fluids. There's a stench of death in the air, and that should definitely give our group the willies. They'll probably want to do a row-by-row search of the ground floor, which would be the smart thing to do. They'll come across the bodies of several dozen mole rats tucked in across the various rows of pews. Near the altar, they'll find a body. Actually, it's more like a half-body, half-skeleton, since it appears something ate the top half. They don't find any ammo or armor on the body, but a 10mm pistol and a combat shotgun lay next to the body, and it's obvious at a glance that they were fired until the last rounds were expended. As they head behind the altar, they find several dead feral ghouls, and it's obvious they all died from being shot, so the men who never left here obviously got them a little bit before their demise. Their search of the ground floor comes up empty. Now, they'll choose to go in whatever direction they want, but I'm covering this in a particular order, so skip around as need be. Heading up to the second floor, the group hears noises coming from each of the three offices. They're not going to get a chance to enter one just yet, as enough feral ghouls to equal double the number of the party come flooding out in a rush. This is where the group's lucky, since there's really not enough room to get more than two, maybe three wide up here, so there's really only going to be two or three ghouls at a time that can attack. However, that also means there's not going to really be much more than two or three group members at a time that can attack, at least not without requiring more successes in order to avoid hitting the PCs at the front of the line. And keep in mind that Walter specifically requested that damage to the church be kept to a minimum, so have your explosives happy players be mindful of that. Believe me, I'm going to have to remind mine. Oh, and the stats for Feral Ghouls are on page 355. And the number of ghouls might seem like a lot, but when you look at the numbers, it really shouldn't be an overwhelming fight for the group. I mean, if things seem to be going badly, they can retreat to the ground floor and allow things to spread out a bit. Heck, they might decide to do that anyway, or have one or two people head up there and draw down the ghouls. I mean, it's always possible they think to do something like that. Or, in the case of my group, use a Mr. Gutsy to go up and check things out and lure out the ghouls. Once they've cleared out the ghouls, they can head back up and check out the offices. They'll find parts of another human spread out over the three rooms, and it's pretty obvious this dude died a horrific death. Again, they find a 10mm pistol and a combat shotgun, and it's again obvious this dude fought to his last breath. There's not anything else of value in here, so let's head up to the third floor. Now, the group's going to get an idea of what they're dealing with before they even get to the office, as the green glow emanating from the office will be a dead giveaway. It's a glowing one, and the stats are on page 356. If you've played the video game, you know how much of a beast these dudes are, but that's one-on-one. With your group size, this ought to be, if not a cakewalk, not that darn hard. Which is why there's a second one in the office that they won't realize is there until the fight begins. This one comes out at the end of the round and attack. And again, this walkway is only large enough to go about too wide, so the odds get pretty even pretty quick unless they retreat back downstairs and get themselves a better point to take these out strategically. Once these guys are done, they can check out that last office and they'll find a mattress in there, but nothing else. 
There's still a body unaccounted for, and there's an entire basement to check out, so let's just skip the formalities and head for the basement. The basement of the church was used as a storage space over its lifetime, so there's a lot of old, worn-out furniture down there. None of it is salvageable as is, but some of the wood and cloth could be repurposed for other things if someone were so inclined to do so. That's going to make what's about to go down that much more difficult as there's a number of hidey holes and cover spots available. For the record, there are four mole rats down here for each group member, and they'll play the attack and hide game with them throughout the basement. This is a fight that's going to take a bit, so be patient and run it to its conclusion. Once it's done, they'll find the third body they were looking for, or at least the bones that are left of it, along with a 10mm pistol and double-barreled shotgun. Now, if your group made easy work of this, you could always have a rad scorpion bust up out of the ground and attack. Stats are on page 351, and if your group really seems to be having an easy time, drop another one on them. However, when that's done, so is the combat. So let's run the numbers for when they get to Walter, and I'm basing these numbers on a four-member party. Needless to say, there's going to be higher for my group. By my count, the group should have taken down 26 creatures, unless you dropped rad scorpions on them, in case that number will be a bit more. 26 times 20 is 520, so Walter would pay them the 600 caps, since that number is higher. He'll also tell them to keep the weapons, since not going to need them anymore. If the group wants to help Walter clean up, He'll gladly accept their help, but it's not necessary, and he really can't afford to pay them. Work this out however you'd like, and move on to the next job whenever you and your group are ready. Next up is the third job on the list, and it read, We'll pay well for a case of Nuka-Cola Quantum. If you've got one, see Sylvia at the Twisted Top in the Central West End. So this job's meant to be what we'd call a, a let-me-up. After all of the combat and stuff the group's been through recently, this is really just a glorified scavenger hunt. They're going to have to track down enough Nuka-Cola Quantum to equal 24 bottles, since the case is 24, at least in the U.S. I can't speak for other countries, so if it's different where you are, change the number accordingly. Now, Nuka-Cola Quantum is a level 5 rarity item worth 50 caps each. The reason for this is really laid out in the lore of the video game. For those who don't know or played the game and don't remember, Quantum is marketed as being the next big thing for Nuka-Cola. The problem with that is that the launch day for the new cola was the same day the bombs dropped. So, that means it's not an easy cola to find, and in the video game is typically only found in Nuka-Cola machines. So, your group has your work cut out for them, and this is where I'm going to leave a lot of the specifics vague, because I want you to fill in with whatever kind of mischief you feel like unleashing on your group. That being said, here's the basic guidelines I think we need to follow. They're never going to find more than two bottles at any single location, and those will be mostly old grocery stores or convenience marts, and those locations should be full of feral ghouls for them to have to fight. They can try to get them from vendors, and I'll note that they can get as much as a six-pack combined from the three vendors they've dealt with thus far, and that's the two in Diamond Pass and our friend Liza in Soulard. But there's a downside to that. They're going to have to actually pay for them, and all three will start at 80 caps each, so negotiations will go from there. Otherwise, they'll need to scrounge and scavenge through wreckage around town. If they choose this method, they'll find one bottle for every hour they search 
which means that to find the full case without having to buy them or fight for them, it's going to take 24 hours to put the case together. I'm pretty sure that's going to annoy them to no end, but they've got their options, so let them run with it. Also, I'd suggest them heading away from Soulard towards the west. They'll find sections that haven't been picked over quite as bad, and that's because nobody wants to be there. This would be another good spot for some nasty creatures out of the book, but hey, that's your call. If you want them to fight for it, toss a good challenge at them, which depends on the level of the creature. Here's what I mean. For a level 2 creature, I'm comfortable going with 3 or 4 more than the number of the group. Levels 3 or 4, 1 or 2 more. Once you hit the group's level, if it's a 4-person group, keep the number equal to the group's unless it's seriously dangerous, in which case go 1 less than the group number. And if you're the type that likes to play dangerously, you can go well above the group's level, but I'd only use a single one of those. I will probably use things like rad roaches and mole rats and just toss enough out there to annoy the heck out of my group while they're doing this, but the feral ghouls also appeal to me, so there is that. Once they get the case of quantum assembled, they need to head to the twisted top to deliver the goods and get their payment. It's located in the middle of the block between Euclid Avenue and King's Highway Boulevard, and yes, this isn't very far from Barnes Jewish Hospital. In our time, by the way, it's a sushi bar. Just thought you might want to know that. In the Fallout world, it's a high-class nightclub. Now, high-class for a post-apocalyptic society means that the folks who choose to party here have lots of caps to spend, lots of connections, or both. It would also stand to reason there might be a few folks here involved in shady shenanigans, so the group would do well to mind their P's and Q's. There won't be anybody there until mid-afternoon, so the group would do well to be patient and wait as well. We'll be nice and not have anyone come after them, especially if they had a lot of encounters during their scrounging expedition. Now, if they manage to get through those without having to fight anything, you could always have a Garson tactical team come after them, which would make sense considering they are not that far from the scene of the crime, as it were. It'd be a team three more than the number of the group members, and we're still using the Brotherhood of Steel Knight stats on page 383. Regardless of what happens, when the club finally has someone inside, they can meet with Sylvia. She's a human of undeterminable age, and while she's not what most would call gorgeous, she has that girl-next-door kind of cuteness that makes folks want to be around her. She's dressed conservatively, but with just enough high-class naughtiness to ensure that people will notice her. She's ecstatic that the group found what she was looking for, and she's willing to pay 35 caps per bottle for the quantum. Yes, negotiations are possible, and 18 is the number to use for Sylvia when making rolls. She'll pay whatever ultimately gets agreed upon, and will still do so happily regardless of any complications that arise from the rolls. The only thing complications will bring about is that she won't be interested in doing business with them again. That being said, if there are no complications, she'll suggest the group stop by once or twice a week, since she's got the kind of clientele that like the things that are hard to find, and she will gladly pay for them to locate and deliver them. Now, I suggest you note the Twisted Top for future reference, because we will be returning here in the future. You can also use it if you need a job for your group to do, especially if you've run everything we've written to this point and you're between episodes. Just write it up the way we did here. Come up with an item or items that are a rarity five, have the group beg, borrow, scavenge, or steal to get them, and then have them bring them back to Sylvia for the caps. 
The beauty of doing this is you can use and reuse Sylvia as much as needed as we roll along, since I know I don't always get a full session's worth of material covered in a single episode. So, with this week's scenarios built, we've got two more things to do. Reset the action points and level up. Once that's done, we're at the end of today's show. Next week, we hit the final job on the job board, then we embark on the next chapter of the overall campaign. What's that going to look like? You're going to have to listen to find out. In the meanwhile, check out our other podcast, Role Playing History. This week, we cover the role-playing game Nephilim, as well as the game company Chaosium. Role Playing History is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgiumproductions.net. All Fallout role-playing game materials referenced on this show are the trademarked and copyrighted properties of Modifius Entertainment through their license with Bethesda Games and are used on this show for entertainment purposes only. For more on the entire Modifius catalog of games, check out their website, modiphius.net. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod, on Twitter at Bad GMP, YouTube and Tumblr, it's Bad GM Productions. You can email us at badgmproductions at gmail.com and online the website is badgmproductions.net. Next week, we finish the job board, then we launch our group into the next chapter of the campaign. But that's next week, folks. Until then, I'm the bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table.